1972. And the old Fillmore East. Does anyone remember the Fillmore East? Come on, let me hear it! From the old Fillmore East, man! Who used to get shit-faced every night, man? A few groupies, huh? Hello and welcome to another episode of Diary of the Madman, the ultimate Ozzy Osbourne podcast where we geek the bleep out about all things Ozzy and all things Ozzy related. I am Josh Kramer. With me as always is Mr. Dan Drago. How's it going, Dan? It is going great. I got my new mic stand working here. If you guys could see me, I'm looking way cooler than I normally am. I'm super pumped about this, Josh. Fucking Absolutely. pumped. I wish you all could see us. I wish we could get to a point where we could actually just do these live and you could see the video of us chatting. When I go onto that intro, Dan cheeses like a 10-year-old kid at a candy store every time. Man, we love this shit. We, we really love do. this shit. Yeah, it's great to be back. I'm back on schedule. And obviously we talk every day, but just getting to see your face once a week and really digging deep for an hour or two, depending on how long we go. It just means the world to me, man. That's what she said. Digging in deep ah. for an hour or two, depending how long we go. Oh, Mine didn't yeah. say that. <laughs> I will say, I wish you all could see Dan. I, we normally record on Mondays and this is a Wednesday and he shaves once a week. Apparently he's like full bearded, man. I've never seen him like this. It's kind of weird. Well, you are my idol. So I'm trying to, you know, Josh got that nice beard. So I'm trying to emulate you, my man. Get some gray going through that bad boy. Yeah, yeah man. it is a little bit, but yeah, <laughs> I'm so routine. Every Monday I trim the beard and then by Thursday, Friday, Wednesday, whenever we do it, it starts to get a little bit thicker. I am not routine, but that's also why I forget crap all the time because I'm always <laughs> forgetting something, doing something wrong, get out of routine and you forget it every time. Yeah, absolutely. I'm super excited how the patient number nine series is going. We're almost through it. We got two left, one after today because we're going to combine God Only Knows and Dark Side Blues, but it's just been an awesome experience. I've never dove deep into an album quite like this to discuss it in a weekly, well, weekly, ha, in a uh, in an episodic format. And it's definitely been eye-opening. Some songs have grown because of this format. Some songs, maybe not so much, but thank you for doing this. Thank you listeners for really helping us. Uh, and I hope you've enjoyed the album even more. You know, really, especially with the hiatus we took in the middle of the discussion series, you would think numbers would drop. Like, for what we're doing for this new album, breaking down every track, that's all great when the album's still new, but the album's been out for almost a year now. The singles for over a year. So it's really amazing to look at our numbers online and they're every bit as good or better than the old episodes, even though these songs have been out for a year now. So that does say a lot about the, the listeners that we appreciate you guys tuning in no matter what. And, you know, we enjoy breaking these songs down. Like Dan said, it makes you appreciate them differently. You know, even for us, you know, we've moved on a touch also. I, I still listen to Patient Number Nine all the time. I'm sure Dan does also. But like today, I listened to Dead and Gone like five damn times just to get ready for the show, just to find those moments that I love to discuss. And it makes you excited once again about the song, even though it's been out for a year now. Yeah, that's exactly what I was trying to say. And you said it so eloquently. As you I really love, huh? 
as I do everything. <laughs> exactly. So yeah, I've listened to the song about five times today as well. And you know, it never gets old. That's the great thing about this record. If I had to go back and listen to Eat Me or Goodbye five times, I probably wouldn't be as excited to do this podcast. But you know, I'll be honest, <laughs> doing it for every song on this record has been awesome. Yeah, I agree totally. So that said, before we get into it, Dan, is there any news you want to discuss? There's been some Aussie news since the last episode, actually. Anything you want to break down with us? Yeah, there is a huge breaking news that happened a couple of weeks ago is that Ozzy obviously canceled his power trip performance. And it kind of bums me out a little bit that we probably should have seen it coming, Josh. I think maybe subconsciously we did because we didn't we buy did. tickets. Yeah, yeah I think yeah. all the listeners did, truthfully. But Right. But it breaks my heart a little bit. I, I think Ozzy just wants to do one more show. I don't think it's ever going to happen. New pictures just came out of Ozzy as well. Uh, he doesn't look great. He looks really fucking old and breaks my heart to say that he's back in a wheelchair. But I think they just do that when he's going in and out of the hospital. I think it was a hospital checkup. But yeah. the big news, of course, is Judas Priest has replaced Ozzy. I do think Judas Priest is a great fucking replacement for Ozzy. You know, same genre. They're not going to really, and please don't take offense to this, they're not going to move many more tickets. I think the bands that are moving tickets are, you know, Guns N' Roses, Ozzy, Metallica. But Judas Priest is going to be enjoyable, and people that like ACDC are going to love Judas Priest. So, yeah, anytime you go to a hospital, if you're a fall risk, you're going to put you in a wheelchair. So I, I don't read too much into that. He did look aged, though, like you said, in his face and stuff. And Dan even questioned if there's a bald spot. There could be. It could have been bald. could have been gray. Uh, it, it was kind of either way. But, yeah, truthfully, we all saw it coming. We were just optimistic, as was Ozzy. And one thing in the statement that he said that kind of got overlooked was, my original plan was to tour in the summer of 2024. So I think there's still that out there. He's got this long-term goal. I hope he can just do a one or two. If he can just do an appearance here or there, that would be wonderful. And I'll try my best to get out to it, as I know Dan will. We, you know, we looked into Power Trip. I want to discuss that a little more here in a second. We definitely saw it coming, hated for the reality to finally pop. So I was kind of looking at it hours after the announcement, you know, just kind of disappointed, seen it coming, but disappointed. And I realized they were exactly three months out. I believe if I had to bet that Aussie's camp and the promoters had a deal within three months, you got to let us know in or out. And at the three month mark, unfortunately, I can't commit to this out. And with the announcement of Judas Priest coming so quick, I think Priest was in there the whole time as a backup. But that said, I got to tell you, Priest is the perfect fit for the format of the show. But man, they're not going to sell any more tickets. I hate to say that. I love them. But no one's paying the money that this. And let's be clear. When I say the money, it's not that the tickets are that high. It's the trip. Me and Dan looked into it. It was going to be about three or $4,000 each to go out there. By the time you get airfare, hotels, it was about three or $4,000. And people just can't afford that. And to be very blunt, I've looked into this. This is not selling tickets like they thought it would. The ticket sales are not astronomical. You can go online and see what's available. There's still a lot of good seats available for this show. And I think it's the cost of the trip in total, not the ticket price necessarily. What do you think, Dan? Yeah, I totally agree. And I don't think it's selling as well as the first Power Trip Festival that they did where McCartney and Rolling Stones played together. That's one of the biggest tours of all time, that show specifically. And it shocks me because you got Metallica made in ACDC, you had Ozzy announced Tool, Guns N' Roses. I mean, great lineup. And that's why Judas Priest fits so well, right? If you're yeah. there to see Metallica made in ACDC, Judas Priest goes right in line. And I would love to see that. And I still would go if the prices weren't so expensive. 
Now, my heart goes out to the Aussie fans that have laid out the money, and I really hope they can get the money back if they don't want to go. And I get it. They fell for thinking it was going to be the time to see Ozzy back on stage. It's been a long time, and they probably put thousands of dollars in. And I know uh, I wish I had his name, but one of our listeners did comment that he's out a lot of money and he's got to try to recoup it. And I feel bad for those people because they are diehards like you and I. And I mean, we would have done the same thing. And I just think subconsciously we knew it wasn't going to happen. Yeah. Of course, anytime you can go see ACDC, it's a fucking epic night. Right. I mean, I, I drove all the way to Chicago to see him once from Kentucky at Wrigley Field and I'd do it again. But the draw for us and for a lot of the people was Ozzy Osbourne. It just was. It's Ozzy and ACDC is the draw. Metallica's everywhere. Guns N' Roses is everywhere. Judas Priest, to me, was a very safe filler when Ozzy pulled out, though. And let's just be very honest about this. Judas Priest was going to open for Ozzy in Europe. So they are not the draw Ozzy Osbourne is. Everyone knows that. It's not a knock on them. I think with the decline in ticket sales or it not being selling as well as they hoped, Priest was a safe, cheaper route than going a bigger band like, say, Aerosmith or Motley Crue. Oh, you took the words right out of my mouth. That's exactly where I was going to go. And I think they would have sold more tickets, Aerosmith and Motley Crue, but I would have personally rather seen Judas Priest. Honestly, I'm not a big Aerosmith fan. Sorry. I just am not. I think they're one of the most overrated bands in rock history, but I do love Motley Crue even in their strange incarnation that they have today with Vince's voice and whatever else is going on. But I would still go and enjoy that show. Absolutely. But not like Judas Priest. Judas Priest is a top five all-time band for me. Yeah. But they would cost a lot more than Judas Priest to the promoter. 100%. And if your ticket sales are already not where you thought they would be, sliding Priest in at a budget. I mean, let's be honest. They're getting them for a lot cheaper than Ozzy would have been. It's at least money they're cutting out right there that they're not going to lose. So I, I think it was a safe bet all the way around. But if you've already got a ticket, you likely are cool with Judas Priest. And you should be. I went and saw them last year. They're freaking epic. They're still awesome. I love Judas Priest also. So Here's my concern for Ozzy. My concern is the next time he announces a show. And it's going to happen, Josh. He's going to announce maybe a Las Vegas residency. There's going to be something he announces. And I think people are going to be very wary of buying a concert ticket now. And I don't blame them. 110%. Look at us. Had we bought these Power Trip tickets? I love these other bands. And I still could have went and enjoyed myself. But I don't want to pay thousands of dollars to see Guns N' Roses when they're going to be in Rep Arena in Lexington a few months later for a couple hundred bucks. You know what I mean? So, yeah, 100%. Ozzy announces a residency in Vegas, whatever. We're going to try our best to go. But there's a hesitancy through the roof. And somebody says, I just can't take a gamble on that. You couldn't blame them. The only good thing about Vegas, for me personally, let's just say we did it and Ozzy canceled it's Vegas. I probably still go to the trip and find something to fucking do. Absolutely. There's right. other things, right? There's nothing thing, but at the power trip festival, there, there is none of that. It's just like, it's the concert or bust. So it's a little safer. I think if he does it in Vegas, in my opinion, it's his only viable option going forward. Mm -hmm. That is it. Nothing else. Yeah. It's unfortunate, man. It's disappointing, but like you say, we all saw it coming and uh, just wishing the best and hope by 2024, he is ready. That kind of leads us into our next topic, though. One thing that has been announced is that a growing thing in society right now is these Comic-Cons, Scarefests, all these kind of dealios where they have celebrities come down, sign autographs, meet their fans for, you know, a hundred bucks or whatever. And the Osbournes have signed up to do some of these Comic-Cons over the next several months. I do visit these Comic-Cons. I like to go to them sometimes. I'll go to Scarefest in Lexington or we have one here in Pikeville called, uh, I think it's just Comic-Con. I don't know what it's called. My buddy runs it. He'd kill me for not knowing the name. I could promote his shit right now, but I forgot the name of it. But anyway, and to be totally honest, 
I did say that Jack was going to be in Lexington and I was like, I'll go meet Jack. I mean, I'm going to be there anyway. Like, why wouldn't I go try to meet Jack? I go to it every year, but I guess it's Ozzy's way of getting out and seeing people and just kind of being around the fans. He obviously has a love affair for the fans and he misses seeing them. What's your thoughts on it? I am not a fan at all, to be honest. And I know Ozzy's a nostalgia act, but I think him doing this is just solidifying that. But let's be perfectly honest. Patient number nine hit number three on the charts and one rock album of the year for the Grammys. To me, he's still a very relevant artist. He was chosen to play on the Power Trip Festival. It bothers me because it's the Osbournes, personally. Maybe if it was Ozzy by himself, I'd be a little bit more open to it. But I fucking despise the show. We know it. I'm sorry. I just am not a fan of it. And I hate that he's associated with it. I just don't want any part of it. I would go to a Comic-Con or, I mean, there's some wrestling conventions I'd probably love. But the older wrestlers I grew up watching as a kid, that would be fun. They do that a lot. But these guys aren't in the ring anymore. Ozzy's still making relevant, kick-ass, awesome music. Totally. I think Pikeville Comic-Con is my buddies. And he has, like, for example, Tyler Maine from Rob Zombie's Halloween coming. Eric Bischoff, Mouth of South, Jimmy Hart. But again, retired, right? right. Those are wrestling guys. Eric Bischoff coming to Pike was kind of cool. I'm kind of excited. It's awesome. About that. I'm not going to yeah. lie. So I'm playing Jimmy there. Hart, too, man. I fucking love Yeah, they were the Mouth of the South. So I'll plug it in there and see those guys. But no, um, you're right. And I, I do think the Osborne factor is what makes it a touch cheesy for an Aussie fan. I know Ryan kind of poo pooed the idea also when I threw it out there on, on our group chat. It's kind of like, eh, screw that shit. But like you said, if it was just Ozzy's going to be there, that would probably sound more exciting than the Osbournes are going to be there. And and I totally get that. I do. It's it's a different clientele that it brings in, and it's not necessarily for the Ozzy fan. A perfect example is this. When Ozzy did San Diego Comic-Con with Todd McFarlane to promote the album, I thought it was awesome because it's mm-hmm. a way to promote something current, relevant that he's doing. This is not that. Yeah, and Ozzy did seem to enjoy that, though. Like, he had, he come out after that. I mentioned it a few times. Like, I had a good time doing that. I didn't think I would. So I think that's kind of what leads into the leniency that he's willing to do it as as a whole. And, you know, the whole family, I guess it's a way for him all to make some quick money. Right? I mean, this is be real. This massive money in this shit. Yeah, and the truth of the matter is, it pisses me off even more that musicians can't make money off of recording and releasing records. Because that would be a great way for Ozzy to have another reason to continue making records with Andrew Watt. And I'm so happy he did it because it just shows how much he loves to create and make music fuck what anybody else says the man does create a lot of this and i think it's awesome that he's still so passionate about new music because they are not making any money off it no money i heard an interview recently i think it was mark tremonti was talking about that he's like you know it's all about touring right now we cannot make money on albums and what did he announce today they announced today the creed reunion right again about touring not about making new music right so yeah totally and i you know what? Screw anybody that don't like it. I like Creed. Me too. I go watch them. I, I've I seen them. <laughs> I like Nickelback. I don't know why people hate. It kills me. The one thing about the metal fan that drives me bonkers is how they want to eat their own when they have mainstream success. I'll never understand it. So, so Nickelback's popular. Okay. They were also cool with the brothers, Diamond Vinny. And if Diamond Vinny think they're cool and metal enough, then fucking hell, so do you. Man, anybody paying attention has to understand that Mark Tremonte is a talented dude. He is a great guitar player. He's singing Frank Sinatra songs. The guy is awesome. And awesome. Yeah, nailing them. And I think Scott Stapp is super talented as well. I think Creed is so underrated. And they were just hated because of how popular and massive they became. And anytime anybody breaks out of that, you know, hard rock or metal community and becomes mainstream, I think this is what happened to Ozzy. Right. When Ozzy started getting all of the hate 
and you know the metal fans turning on him is the Osbournes when he became mainstream. Yep, absolutely. If it's someone that's a household name or becomes kind of relevant in a natural environment, people just they hate that. They Metallica's blackout. I, I was just gonna say this. Just took the words out of my mouth. Yeah, so it was too big. We apologize. I mean, what the, what the fuck do you want? There's this weird thing in the metal community that they want it to be their little band, and they don't want everybody else to know about them. Right. And they want to see them in dive bars, and that's great. I get it. I play them. Dan plays them. Like, these little small venues are the hottest thing in the world. Like Motley Crue playing that room so cool. overseas. How cool is that? To be like one of like 400 people in there or whatever. Amazing. Awesome. But at the same time, if you love these bands, let them grow. Let them be huge. They do it for a living. What's wrong with Nickelback making so much money, Creed making so much money? Obviously, someone's buying these damn records. Right. 100%. Five Finger Death Punch is a current example. I'm not a huge Five Finger Death Punch fan. I don't hate them. I, just, I don't like them. kind of yeah. bland to me. But it has nothing to do with their popularity. But someone's buying those records. Right. Great point. Yeah. All right, so let's move on. We are going to talk real quick before we get to Dead and Gone about Ozzy being snubbed from the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame constantly. Not only are we going to discuss him being snubbed, what I really want to touch on, and this is a conversation Josh and I had before we came on the air and I said, let's do it on the show, is nobody really even mentions Ozzy being snubbed. And that is the frustration from my perspective because first of all the hard rock metal fans all of a sudden think that the rock and roll hall of fame is called the hard rock hall of fame you could put up a band from the 1950s dion and the belmonts who are in but let's just say if they weren't you know they'd be saying today that's not rock and roll that's not metal so the funny thing is is they're so warped in their brain of thought thinking that the rock and roll hall of fame is now the hard rock hall of fame but that's not what it is right it's the rock and roll hall of fame and Ozzy is one of the top 30 to 40 best-selling artists of all time in America in any genre. Any genre. According to the RIAA, he's right up there. And to me, the fact that nobody even talks about him being in the Hall of Fame rejuvenated his solo career time and time again. Constantly changed with the times, has made countless stars. Everybody could say it the other way around. Well, he shouldn't be in because he had Jake and Randy and Zach. The truth of the matter is, they're stars because of Ozzy. No matter how great they are, they are part of the Ozzy Osbourne fucking machine. And Ozzy has made them stars, of course, because of their ability as well. But the reality is, if it wasn't just them joining Ozzy, they would not be the heroes that they are today. And throw all of that in together, Ozzy created OzFest. He is constantly selling out thousands upon thousands of people when he was touring. I just don't understand how it's not even in the conversation. It's mind-fucking-blowing. Then I got to hear Dio? Dio's career isn't a pimple on Ozzy's ass on a solo career. I am sorry. From a production level, from uh, how important it was to society, it's not even close. Dio's solo career. I saw Dio open in 1998 for a Blaze Bailey-fronted Iron Maiden at a place that held 2,000 people. Ozzy was headlining that same year at a 20,000-person venue. Fuck off. I guess on to the day's topic. There's not much I can add to that, but Dan speaks very eloquently himself. And you look at one of the biggest things they look at for Rock and Roll Hall of Fame is supposed to be how they influenced people. Ozzy's one of the fucking forefathers of heavy metal. Yeah, he's in with Sabbath for that reason. But you throw on top of that, the influence, yeah, he brought, brings in Randy Rhodes, Zach Wadjula, influenced guitar player after guitar player. But again, I loved when you said they got their star from Ozzy, and that's just the bottom line of it. I, I love all those guys. But you see what Black Label Society does outside of Ozzy, about 1,500 people a night. You see Jakey Lee outside of Ozzy. I love Jakey Lee. I opened for Jakey Lee one night, a sold-out house. 
160 people in that sold out house. Holy shit. That place was tight. And seeing Jake in a room that small was fucking the coolest. Don't get me wrong. It was fucking, and to be in a room that small and play that. But, and Dan opened for Zach Wild, probably how many people there, Dan? Seven, 800 at the time? Yep. Because that was 2000 or so. Yes, so death. we're not knocking those guys. Of course, we fucking love those guys. Are you kidding? Zach Wilde, Jakey Lee, and Randy Rhodes, they're all over my walls of my music room. Like, they are idols. But Ozzy, as Dan says all the time, is the star. And the fact that his name is never brought up, and you even have a factor being how much they influenced others. Who in hard rock? If you go out and say, name me one hard rock singer to the general public, an overwhelming majority are going to say Ozzy Osbourne. And his name is never mentioned. I listen to Eddie Trunk every day on Satellite Radio on the app. And uh, they were discussing hard rock snubs or rock and roll hall of fame snubs. And the fact that Ozzy's name was hardly brought up, sicking me to my stomach. Eddie, who I do love the show. Me and Dan, we crack on him sometimes, but we do both enjoy his show, enjoy what he does. He just has a bias for Ozzy that is very obvious to anyone that listens. I think he is a fan deep down. I think he likes the songs, but for whatever reason, I think he likes to shit on Ozzy. He has a bug up his ass because Ozzy doesn't write. And that's far from the truth. He just doesn't have his facts straight. And he talks to some people that are a little bit bitter about the facts. But facts are, even Bob admits, Ozzy writes all the melodies. Geezer admits, Ozzy writes all the melodies. He he was just talking about somebody else this week. And he's like, well, Elvis doesn't write. And you know, I'm thinking, well, Elvis doesn't write. Frank Sinatra doesn't write. Are you telling me they're not worthy of the fucking Rock and Roll Hall of Fame? Exactly. But we do love Eddie. We're, you know, we just get a little annoyed with that side of it. But he gave a list of like 25 snubs off the top of his head, 25 snubs. And Ozzy Osbourne wasn't fucking on it. And it's like, dude, come on. But Dio was. And it's like, we love Dio too. We do love Dio. But it's like, come on. His career compared to Ozzy Osbourne's isn't even in the ballpark. It's not even in the ballpark. So me and Dan got discussing it pre show. And Dan's like, fuck it. We got to put this on the air. Let's go ahead and just take this over. It's a frustration that his name is not brought up in the category in the slightest. And I'll never understand. So most of my friends are not hard rock metal fans. They're just not, right? My inner circle outside of maybe like my band guys, right? And you guys. But like my football friends that I coach with, they're not metal fans at all. Mostly are country, maybe rap or whatever. If I said Ronnie James Dio to them, do you know none of them would know who that is? Not one. Not one of them. But if I told him, hey, Ozzy Osbourne, Ozzy was the face of hard rock and heavy metal in the 1980s and the 1990s. He just was the face of it. I love what you said, too, about OzFest. You know, he was so innovative. And let's be clear. We hate on her sometimes, but Sharon, being the machine behind him, so innovative. OzFest, which got heavy metal back in the mainstream for a decade. That was the hottest tour there was for a decade. Gave numerous new bands Slipknot, disturbed their platform to get out there. And if you went every year, you would see these bands start on the second stage, open the main stage, headline the main stage a few years later. It's a, it was amazing to watch it. That all comes down to Ozzy and what his influence was on the metal community. Mind-blowing that people who are so involved in this and so love this kind of music so much could overlook him and do a list of 25 people or artists not in the Rock and Hall of Fame and leave Ozzy Osbourne now. I'll never understand it. Yeah, he's in with Black Sabbath, and that is great. And to be fair, I don't think Ozzy really craves this. I don't think he really cares about it. But it just bothers me to hear shows like this and his name not get brought up more often. And I'll be honest, I don't think Ozzy's the only one that deserves to be in. I do think Maiden is getting snubbed big time. It's a For joke. Sure. And I hate the way Judas Priest went in. Hate it. To me, that yeah. was some cop-out bullshit. I like it for Randy. It made sense for Randy but not for Judas Priest. Judas Priest 100%. should have went in just like Black Sabbath went in. And there are a lot of worthy bands that have been snubbed, Iron Maiden being one of them, 
Dio is not one of them. He just isn't. The yeah. Pixies are far more deserving than Dio. And the Pixies, they launched a whole genre of music, even though Nirvana took it to another level. It was the Pixies that started that style of music. They deserve to be it just like the Talking Heads are in it because they're so influential. Dio isn't that. He's a singer with a great voice, but he didn't really start a form of music. I'm sorry. Right. Everyone has their list of bands that need to go in. Me and Dan are also massive Motley Crue fans, and they're never in the discussion either. And I don't understand Again, that either. Launched a style of music. Motley Crue is super influential. They yeah. launched hair metal, man. The band that came up the most, and I do agree majorly with this one too. It's not as hard rock, but it was Foreigner. It's like, how is Foreigner not in? But apparently Lou Graham has come out publicly and said he has beef with some of the members of the Rock and Hall of Fame's uh, committee and this and that. So it goes to show you how political at all really can be also and let's just be real yeah that's a good point and then ozzy came out before black sabbath got in and said i don't care if i'm in yeah so but you know when you look at ozzy and they say well i'll hear like 80 and i love 80 but he's like oh this guy he's still talking about other artists he's still doing arenas and he's still doing this and that like you you gotta consider that and i'm thinking you don't consider it for ozzy ozzy still does arenas he still does twenty thousand people a night ozzy just put out a new album he's 74 years old and got four grammy nominations and won three Right. I mean, give me a fucking break. Who has more going on right now and also 50 years ago than Ozzy Osbourne? But, but all of a sudden, you can overlook that. No, it's got to be the same for everybody. And those are the reasons Ozzy deserves to be in. And it's so frustrating. I just don't get it. Today's music still matters. What you're doing today, if you're 74, and given he hasn't toured in five years, let's, let's call it 70. Okay. You're 70, but his tour, 20,000 people a night, was sold for the No More Tours tour going forward until he got hurt. I think that's a solid point, dude. He was relevant up. He's only not touring now because of he's got physical limitations, not because he's not selling tickets. And even with physical limitations, has put out two records and fucking Grammy nominated one, three Grammys. I mean, what the fuck? Here's the bottom line. He was asked to do that power trip festival with Metallica, ACDC, Guns N' Roses. Those, all those bands are Hall of Fame bands, right? Oh, yeah. Iron Maiden. And that's why I said Iron Maiden should be on that list, too. They tool. just are. That's who's, yeah, maybe not Tool. Know, I'm, but, I'm just saying it's yeah. the rest of the lineup. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Tool but, fucking go in. Are you kidding? They'll put Tool in first ballot because they, they're one of those bands that people love like that. Yeah, yeah. 100%. Like Rage Against the Machine. It's one of those. Yeah. Right. Tool probably will go in before Ozzy. <laughs> That's for yeah. sure. But, you so, know, one thing Eddie Trunk, I mean, we're busting his, his nuts. But one thing even he says, he's like the draw of Power Trip is ACDC and Ozzy Osbourne because the wow factor they've not been around in a long time the chance to see those guys again is the draw and and we agree and like i said we know he's a fan deep down but he, he likes to cut ozzy to the bone for not coming he, i think he said he interviewed ozzy one time in his career and that's why ozzy and sharon snub him i think what annoys me is he comes out and says i don't have a bias but he does it's quite clear yeah let us know who's your rock and roll hall of fame snubs also of course we know if you're listening to this ozzy's probably on your list <laughs> But who else would you guys like to see uh, into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame in the, in the future? It, it really doesn't mean a whole lot to me either. I will admit being over the moon when they announced Randy Rhodes two years ago. Because that was just such a shock out of nowhere. Like, they finally got it moment. But other than that, I don't really care a whole lot about it either. I do. I just, you know, we're such big fans. It's just like him being knighted, right? Yeah. At the end of the day, not going to make it or break it. But it'd be cool. It'd be great for Ozzy to get the notoriety he fucking deserves absolutely that said dan are you ready to move on to dead and gone let's do it dead and gone is track 11 off of the patient number nine album it is written by ozzy andrew watt our man robert trujillo chad smith and ali tamposi so this is the only song on the record that does not have a featuring i'm going to say god only knows does have josh homey so 
that to me does have, even though they don't have a featuring next to it, he is on the track. This is the only song on the record that does not have what I would call a featuring. All right. So on this track, we got Ozzy on vocals, Andrew Watt on guitar. Zach is on guitar and keyboards on this track. He's just not featuring because he doesn't play a lead on it, but he does play guitar on it. And you actually can quite clearly hear his contribution, which is pretty killer. That background guitar. It's really cool. Bass is love Rob- that part of the song. Yeah, me too. <laughs> Bass is Robert Trujillo and drums is Chad Smith. Okay, so Josh, I'm going to have you start it off. What is your initial, you know, I know what our initial reaction was together when we were at Sirius XM Studios in California listening to the pre-show, but what was your what was your initial reaction? Oh my gosh, did that happen? Oh, it did, like exactly this time last year, actually. Still can't believe that happened. This song does not have a featuring, as you mentioned, but to me it does. Featuring Chad Smith on the drums. I fucking love the drum intro. The simple in-the-pocket groove. I love it. And it never lets up with that. That groove goes through the whole song. And it's one of those cases where Chad completely served the song. He doesn't overplay for this one. Just a nice in-the-pocket groove that I just fucking love from the start. Mixed with Trujillo's bass. It's just instantly. I was hooked fucking instantly to that groove in this song. And to this day, that's like the moment that song comes on, even before Ozzy starts singing, I'm just like, fuck, I love this groove in this song, man. This is so killer. Melodies for Days is almost every Ozzy song, but this song is very melodic in nature by its build. It has kind of an 80s vibe to me. I always, from the start, I've always kind of thought Billy Idol kind of vibe to it. That's what we both said. That's right. Uh, yeah, it sounds like a, like a Billy Idol song, a pop Billy Idol song. It has kind of a, I've also heard people say a Bark of the Moon vibe, which I just kind of relate to the 80s kind of sound of it. You know, a little heavier on the, on the keys and stuff than the rest of the album is. But that suits this track so good. All in all, I just love the groove, man. Like This is the one where I could just lay back and chill and just close my eyes and listen to this one and, and just not move. I agree. It's got a great feel and a great vibe. And you know what? You you actually mentioned what I love about this song, but I'm going to say Robert Trujillo because he does not overplay. He's just hitting those 16th notes and they fit the drum pattern of the song so good. And that and we all know Robert Trujillo, one of the best bass players to ever live. And for him to just come in and do that. It's so, yeah. So it's you have so a bass player and a drummer who are two of the best on the planet and they just yeah. lay back and groove right. rather than overplay. And like you said, they serve the song and they let Ozzy really shine, right? And that's what I think it has that Billy Idol vibe and that 80s vibe because it has that such in the pocket, you know, 16th note, you know, almost like an ACDC vibe in a way. Very but much. The, the guitars much. aren't, right? Who made who almost? Yeah, 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 who exactly. So I'm going to have to give a shout out to my man, Uncle Steve, who does the Iron Maidens podcast. He actually pointed out that this has a vibe of Countdown's Begun off Black Rain. And I love... That he brought out. And at first I was like, eh, not really. I've always considered Countdown's begun to kind of have like an ultimate sin vibe, right? And everybody says that. that this has a bark at the moon vibe. So there is something very 80s about this track is kind of what I I take of that. But Countdown's begun does have that groove a little bit, you know, with that nice four on the floor feel. And I think that's why he probably has that vibe. Modern vintage. That's a good phrase for this song, right? Modern yeah, vintage. Absolutely. I, and so this is the only song on the record that has no guitar solo, none at all, right? But it's you don't just, miss it because the groove is so good it. with the bass and drums. That that's that's the kicker. And yeah. that freaking part in the back that you were mentioning earlier from Zach Wild, yeah. oh, and it's mixed so perfectly that it's not. It would be so easy to mix this album and pull that guitar way out front to be a big chugging guitar. But the fact that they sat it back in the back and just let the listener continue to 
chill and groove ambiance right yeah it's yeah. beautiful man that was whoever makes that kudos that was gorgeous again not to continue to compare this to ordinary man but it's inevitable right because they're both andrew watt records i think this is another song with having zach even just play that chunk 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 part and just be on the track that really elevates where if this was on ordinary man i don't think the song would be quite as good 100 percent yeah, you're right. And that little section will be gone. It's, the, it's those little things that Zach did on this record that would not be there. Right. You know, and that's almost like the No More Tears Riff. Dun, 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 yeah, dun, yeah, yeah, yeah. Almost, you know, similar, but just but subtle in the back. It's just a great song. And this one from the first listen has always stood out for me on the album. Still does it a year later. So to me, two things really stand out about this song. I love, love, love the breakdown. It's the last verse of the song. Everything stops and it's just Ozzy and the guitars. And then the drums come back in. I, I mean, I make my whole career on it because my bass player says I'm the breakdown king. I have to include it in every song. It's so fucking good, man. It's yeah. just awesome. And then, of course, I love the outro. Ozzy's vocals at the end where he's like, I'm dead and gone forever. It's so awesome. That yes. part is so good. That's classic fucking Aussie, all eras, right? I don't care if yes. you're talking 80s, 90s, 2000s. That is classic Aussie, all eras. And dang on forever, babe. And the baby it's line, wonderful. you know. It's just, yeah, yeah, I love it. And it's so he's awesome. very high in the song, dude. Ryan said that Ozzy was really high in Evil Shuffle. I think he's about the same here. He's he's pretty fucking high up there, man. Listen yeah. to those. Listen to his tone on those verses. Yeah, it's great stuff. And again, I, I got to say it, my girl, Ellie Temposi, awesome lyrics, awesome lyrics. I cannot wait to dis dissect these with you and see what you think about them. Man, I'm a little torn on the lyrics on this one. So why don't we get to it since, okay. since you men mentioned it? I do think the lyrics are great, but I actually think Ozzy wrote the chorus lyrics and Ellie Temposi wrote all of the verse lyrics. I'm having a hard time and I'm hoping you can maybe open my eyes a little bit combining them into the same song okay so I, i'll just spoiler right now that's my only problem also the yeah. lyrics to the verse and the lyrics to the chorus seem to be about different things <laughs> totally so i think ozzy they wrote the, the chorus lyrics probably when he was riffing as we know i'm dead and gone baby that's totally you know I, I could just hear ozzy writing those lyrics and then ali tamposi came in to write the verses and we'll discuss those but i think they are they're not very cohesive Let's be honest. We're both songwriters. The, the song doesn't really have to have this major meaning. It, as long as the lyrics work together, like melodically, we really, you can sing about whatever. It don't matter. You can sing the phone book. As long as it well, that's you and me. You know? But like my wife prefers lyrics. Well, it's she's just, a country person. Yeah. They, but for hard rock, typically that's the way it goes. So like you said, if Ozzy writes the chorus and Allie writes the, the verses, he could have this in mind and she could have that in mind. And ultimately they both have a different, you know, well, a great example of that suicide solution. You know, Ozzy says it's about Bon Scott and Bob Daisley says it's about Ozzy. Right. And they both have these different varying ideas of what their side of it was. And they're both right. It's just where they came from for their section of it. I agree. Suicide Solution is a great point where they both say it's about two different complete things. All right. So the first verse, it's so hard for me to read the lyrics because I just hear Ozzy's great fucking melody in my head. Oh, come on, Dance. Read the lyrics with the melody in your I head. I can't. Come on, do it's, it. It's, it's tough. <laughs> All right. So a circus of madmen running the show. You know, Ozzy uses madmen, that persona, a lot in this record. A lot. A circus of madmen running the show. Where are we heading? Nobody knows. 
Too much confusion with no end in sight. A prison of promise polluting our minds. Oh, no. I'm going to tell you right now. I'm going to blow your mind a little bit. Ready? To me, and I'm going deep in the weeds, guys, because that's how I am. This is the little brother of Over to You from Never Say Die. Over to You is sung about being imprisoned, basically metaphorically, because they've turned their life over to government. And I see a lot of similarities to this song and Over to You from a lyrical meaning. 150%. Right? I that from the first listen. Yeah. I've always viewed this song as being political. Not about one side or the other, but about how the whole system's fucked. It's definitely about politics, right? So that's all about a circus of madman running the show. I mean, it doesn't get any more straightforward than that. You know, where Can are we tell you a quick story knows? real quick? I yeah, of course. I was at one of my shows recently, and there's a kid at the merch with buying some stuff off of us, and he had on a Black Sabbath shirt. So, of course, I had to say, hey, man, love the Sabbath shirt. He's about 20 years old. He's like, oh, thanks. I said, what's your favorite song? He goes, oh, man, it's kind of a rare one. You wouldn't know it. <laughs> and, I, and my buddy looked at me like, <laughs> and I was like, I have a feeling I would try me. He's like, song called Air Dance. I said, never say die. He's wow. like, oh, great. Good job. Yeah. I was like, oh, I said, yes, that's a great song. But when you mentioned over to you, it just kind of struck me that the never said that's funny. A lot way, of people don't know those songs, but it's like for this kid to assume, I don't know the tracks off never say die. I said, like, come on, man. Over to you. One <laughs> of the rare Black Sabbath songs Ozzy did not write the melody to. Little trivia there. Written by Billboard. Yep, they just rewrote the lyrics. I love that fucking song, by the way. I think Over to You is brilliant. So the next one. My heart's beating, buried alive. Open my eyes. My soul won't survive. Dead and gone. My heart's beating. Everyone cried. Said their goodbyes. Covered in lies. Dead and gone. So obviously now we're talking about somebody that's dying. And again, that's why I think Ozzy probably riffed those lyrics off the top of his head. They're very Ozzy. My heart's beating, buried alive. Open typical. my eyes, my soul won't survive, dead and gone. It just sounds very Aussie to me. But to it's me, very typical. It has nothing to do with the verse I just read. Would you agree? It's tough to compare those two together and relate them. It is. Yeah. All right. So then we go back to the verses and we're back to the future is bankrupt with no change to spare. That is a great lyric, by the way. Oh, yeah. Think about that. That's a great lyric, Ali Tamposi. Hats off to you. The future is bankrupt with no change to spare. Excellent. The city's on fire, a family affair. You call it destruction, but you hold the knives. Again, talking about politics, the people's induction, the people's demise, because the people are obviously voting these people in. Again, brilliant, brilliant. Oh, that genius, is a great man. verse. It's so genius. Yeah. And I hate to say this, and I, I'm not being political, but you know, the city's on fire, a family affair. I, I think about all the, the rioting and things like that that people do, and you're, you're destroying your own towns but you're out with your family doing it in protest or whatever. And no right or wrong. I'm not saying it's either way, but that's kind of what's going on in the country, especially when this album was being written. Yeah, no question. The city's on fire, a family affair. I almost think it means the whole political spectrum is on fire as well. And it's a family affair. It doesn't matter which aisle you sit on. It's well, it's okay. I can, I can roll with that. Yeah. Right. That. The next line, you call it destruction, but you hold the knives, right? I like that line too. It's great. Back to the chorus, my heart's beating, buried alive, open my eyes, my soul won't survive, dead and gone, my heart's beating, everyone cried, said their goodbyes, covered in lies, dead and gone, so gone. I love that part of the song. <laughs> <laughs> I just had a quick epiphany. Let me throw this yeah. at you. It, yep. So this album was written around the time Sharon got canceled 
from her television show. Is there any chance that some of that influence could come into this? And my heart's being, is that maybe from her point of view? Like I, I had, you know, so. I might be thinking too much about it to say that, but it, that's around the same time period. And you're looking at a political, you know, the but I think that, about politicians. She got, I think, I think, yeah, the, the verses are certainly about politicians. Yeah. yeah for, I, I do agree with that. A hundred percent. Yeah. Crazy idea. Yeah, I I don't feel it, but I I understand understand it. So the last verse is hungry as vultures, craving the throne, as in a king's throne. But I love that all of, you know, Spotify and all these lyric people have it as throne, as in throwing a baseball. Hungry as vultures, craving the throne, posing for pictures, then eating your own. I mean, oh, so good. Uh, So good. Raising our voices, feed the machine. They're coming to save us, but watching us bleed. Again, totally about politicians and politics in general. And I like it. Again, the last chorus that doesn't change. And then, of course, the excellent outro with the dead and gone forever, baby, dead and gone forever. I will tell you, I think it's brilliant because like Over to You, which Geezer does a great job on those lyrics, it's a political song without having to pick a side, not having to degradate the left, the right, whatever. It's just great talking about how, in general, all of these politicians, it doesn't even have to be the politicians of America. It's just politicians around the world that are basically posing for cameras, but they're eating their own, right? There's no future. There's no change to spare. It's it's a very deep, very well-thought-out song, and hats off to Ellie Tamposi to a great lyric. Posing for pictures, then eating their own. I mean, how friggin' great is that line, man? How great. These people want you to, well, they want to win your vote, and they're going to come down, they're going to hold your kids and smile for photos, but they're fucking you every time from behind when you don't even realize it. You vote them in there, and then they're screwing you over. I'll absolutely love that line from day one. And also the way Ozzy uh, phrases that one. I love it. He has a really nice tone on his voice when he sings that line right there. He comes back in during the breakdown, hungry as vultures, craving the throne, posing for pictures, then eating your own, and then everybody comes back in. Yes. Yeah. It's, it's the best part of the song. And then raising our voices, feed the machine, which also bleeds into, you know, the government's always been called the machine. That goes back to Pink Floyd 50 years ago in the machine. I absolutely love it. That might even all the way go back to 1984 with George Orwell, you know, and the machine and Big Brother and all that yeah. stuff. It goes way back. The big knock I kind of have on the song is I don't think that verses in the chorus really mesh very well i don't i've been trying for two weeks trying to make that work in my head and i just can't i cannot make it work unless the government is killing the people yeah i mean yeah i'm with you have a hard time relating those lyrics to the verse lyrics but that's the verse lyrics are so good and the groove is so good i'm hooked this is a song that i want to say for me this is my holy for tonight what it is to you on Ordinary Man. It's the one right. that maybe everyone don't know it, but man, I can listen to it over and over and over as I can Holy for Tonight also, but that's beside the point. And I know yeah. you can this one too, but I really just, I love this song, man. Unfortunately, I think I've already done my top four. I feel like for this album, this is the one I want in there so fucking bad. I can't stand it. Like, I love this song and it's so different. Like, it stands out. It's like we all want the classic Ozzy and we want bands like ACD. It's like, oh man, you don't, don't reinvent the wheel. Just do what you do. And that's great. This song to me doesn't sound like a lot of other Aussie songs, and that's what I love about it. And I just love that groove, and I do love Billy Idol and that whole '80s kind of vibe. I'm an '80s baby. 
that's what I love about it. I just love all in all my favorite part is just the groove of them. And that intro is my favorite part of the song. And then that breakdown section, like you said, when everything kind of drops out and you just hear that again with the high hat and the band kicks back in again, just back in that. It's almost like right on by ACDC. It doesn't sound like that, but it's that kind of groove. You just want to <laughs> oh, let that right groove on. to it, man. Yeah. I don't smoke pop, but if I did, like I could totally burn one. I bet. Our buddy of ours has burnt a few and listened to Dead and Gone over the, over the last year. We'll just leave it at that. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> a few of our buddies, probably. I will say it does bother me there is no bridge. I love the Aussie bridges. As we'll come to find out, there's the next song doesn't have a bridge either, and it doesn't seem to bother me there. So yeah. I would have to say Dead and Gone for me, I do really like it a lot. But unfortunately, it is in the bottom four for me just because of how strong this fucking record is. It's just that good. And I know we say it every week, but this is one of the best Ozzy albums ever, guys. This is, for me, like his best album since Osmosis. Yeah, And that's saying agreed. something. It's, I like this album easy. better than No More Tears. I, I'm yeah. just, I hate to piss people off, but I think No More Tears is a little overrated. I think fucking this record is so damn good, man. No, I agree totally. And we're totally a broken record with saying the album's just so good. But I think if you're listening to this, you probably agree with this. It's just so good. The album doesn't have holes. No More Tears has No More Tears and Mama Coming Home, Road to Nowhere. Totally realize that. But it also has holes. It has AVH and it has Zombie Stomp. And those are fun songs. I don't think Hellraiser is that good. The new Hellraiser with Lemmy is is actually better. It needs to be like the version going forward. It's it's easily the best version. And that was a great move to do that, by the way, to kind of throw that out there. But no, I'm with you, man. It's just... No More Tears Has Holes. This could be Ozzy's best record since the 80s. And I've heard other people uh, say that. No, 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 no. It's not as good as Osmosis. Well, of course, Dan and I, we, we love <laughs> yeah, we, There's a reason we hey, opened up on. the show. <laughs> we opened up this show in general. Episode one was Osmosis. There's a reason we both love Osmosis. Yeah. And it, uh, that'll never change. But no, this, this album's right there. It's absolutely right there. And the fact that at this stage in his career, we're getting this, I still can't get over it. But for me, Dead and Gone is, I, I feel like I say upper middle four all the time. <laughs> this song is middle four. I think I have a spot in the middle four, Donna. I don't, I don't even remember. Know. But uh, this I, is what I I'm going to hold. Know. Listen, <laughs> listeners, listen to this, okay? Because next episode is our final episode in the patient number nine discussion series. And guess what Josh has to do? He's got to read from 12 to one and not everything can be in the upper middle four. See, I've been working on my list. I'm ready to go. But Josh, everything's going to be in the upper middle four. But next episode, to get it squared away, my friend. Okay. There's a very good chance I have six songs in the middle four. This song's middle four easily for me, though. I will say if I have to revise my list, that's fine. But this one's around the four or five range for me. So I I feel comfortable saying this one's definitely middle four, upper middle four. It's just it's one I keep going back to. You know, we all do that. You have the ones you love them all, but there's the ones you just keep going back to. And this is one of them. And patient number nine is one of them. You know, when that song first came out, I thought, oh, it's a grower. It's going to take a minute. That's a song that I have a year later, over a year later now with patient number nine. Like I still frequent that song a lot. So uh, yeah. at, at this point, classic Aussie to me, upper middle four for me. Well, we know next week is not going to be, and that's going to break my heart. But overall, Dead and Gone's a super solid song. And like we talked about, like Dead and Gone would be maybe five or six for me on probably six on Ordinary Man. Because I do think there's five amazing songs on Ordinary yeah. Man. We differ on one of them, but that's fine. We'll eventually do our deep dive on that record. It just, I'm telling you, this record is just unbelievable, man. Unbelievable. Yeah, it is. And Ordinary Man, it's kind of like 
No More Tears. It's got those massive epics. It's got a couple that are just freaking unreal. Then the rest of them are, you know, they're good songs, but this album's just, like we said before, it's more like No Rest for the Wicked. It's just solid all the way through. If you like the first track, you're going to like every track. If you don't, then you may not. That's it. It is what it is. Dan, anything you want to say before we sign off? No, I just want to say that thank you again to Andrew Watt. I just, I am so in love with this record and Ordinary Man, but the fact that he upped his game so much really shows the genius, the work ethic, and the passion Andrew Watt has for Ozzy and doing this. And thank you, Andrew, because without these two records, Ozzy's career would be dead and gone at this point without him being able to tour oh, for four or five years. Solid. <laughs> it would be the sad reality without these records. He, he would be ready for the comic con circuit at that point. Right? <laughs> yeah. A hundred percent. So thank you, Andrew Watt and everybody else. I mean, I yeah. just hope that we get, I'm not even going to say another one, another five. I, you know, I'm, I, I yeah. love these records so much. Ozzy's on the top of his game still. And yeah. he sounds and great. Yeah, and let's remind the listeners that may not know, there's three more tracks out there that they still say we're going to get someday with Taylor Hawkins on drums. So Hawkins. yeah, totally something to look forward to there. So, you know, hey, we're not dead and gone just yet. So <laughs> that's right. Uh, great episode. So listen, guys, we got one more episode left in the patient number nine discussion series. Then we're back to the drawing board. I think we got a two or three really, really good episodes lined up for you guys after this, but Please throw some ideas out there, ideas you want to hear. And I got one more thing to say before you take us home. And that is before we went on the air, Ryan personally told me he likes Dead and Gone better than Over the Mountain. Oh, no doubt. He, he told me the drums are way better than Over the Mountain. So that's, that sounds exactly like what he would say. I have no doubt about it. Not shocked. All right, guys. With that said, don't forget to like and subscribe. We appreciate all that. Keep the numbers growing for us. Makes us look good on social media. But until next time, we will see you on the other side. Thanks for coming. No, thank you for coming. I've seen the record-breaking temperatures going on right now. Like, Dude, what, 10 days in a row? Brutal. Is it making national news? It, well, I heard Eddie Trunk talking about it because he lives in Vegas sometimes. Here, it's been brutal. We're going to break a record, maybe. It's going to be close. Yeah, I saw the like most 10 days, days in a row or most yeah, days in a row. I think row we're over it now. Yeah, there was 118 out. I was dying, dying. And I've told we, people since last summer, I'm like, you know, I've always like, oh, yeah, but it's not humid. And I was like, now that I felt it, I guess it's because I'm used to humid. I, yeah. I prefer humid. Yeah, it's fucking hot. <laughs> and I don't even think you were here during a bad stretch. Well, that's what you said. You go, that's, yeah. you go oh, this is nothing. I'm like, Shh, bullshit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think it was like 103, 104 when you were out. Yeah. yeah I was like, 118 fuck. it's been this week. It's fucking That little horrible. town we went to in the desert out there. I don't remember what it was called, but that yeah, middle of nowhere. It looked like tremors, you know. Oh, like, yeah, yeah. That's right. <laughs> Where we switched yeah, to McDonald's or something. Hot. Yeah, yeah we went to McDonald's and like. I opened the door and it's like heat just fucking jumped on me. <laughs> <laughs> I've never felt anything like that. It's weird. Yeah. I don't, the dry heat is bullshit. I always tell people, stick your head in a fucking oven and tell me. Oh, fuck it. It was like, all, I mean, and like I said, I've always been like, oh, whatever. You know, because yeah. humidity, humidity is annoying. It's sticky and buggy and shit, but yeah, that was bad. <laughs>